0: And we are going to talk about John 15, and we're going to talk about my absolute favorite topic to teach on, and that's abiding in Jesus. So I hope that you'll be really, really blessed tonight and encouraged. And I don't know what God wants me to do next week, but I had a whole like thing going um, in my mind with different people and ladies in the Bible. So I just don't know. I don't know what God wants, but whatever he does, that's what we'll do. And I am going to pray, and we are going to delve in. Amen? Amen? Okay. So, Lord, we love you with all of our hearts, and we're so excited by your word. It's so fun to study your truth. It's so fun, Jesus, to learn more about you. And it just makes us so excited to think that you want us to abide in you so that we can bear fruit that remains. And um, we just ask that you would teach us tonight, Holy Spirit, we surrender to you. Instruct our hearts, instruct our minds, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so, um, I don't know if I ever told you this story, but um, I was a brand new Christian, and um, then I had my senior year, and then I went out of college, And in college, you know, I was faced with the big, bad world, which I already (laughs) was in the big, bad world in high school. But um, I remember I just, um, one year, my sophomore year, I lived near Main Street, and um, I lived in this co-ed dorm. It was co-ed by floors, so everyone on my floor was a girl. And, um, And the Lord just used us in so many ways that year to minister to people. And we had this um, answered prayer poster behind our dorm room door, and, um, and we, would be, we would pray for different people. People would hang out in our dorm room. They would ask us questions. People would just come in that we didn't know, <laughs> and they'd say, hey, can I come in and sit because I heard this room is full of peace and I'm so stressed out. And so they would come in and they would just sit in our room. And so it was just very, very exciting year of ministry. And um, we had this answered prayer poster, and anytime any of the things that we were praying about got answered, we filled it out. And soon we had filled that poster, so we had to put up another. And so one day, I was just in my quiet time, and I was just telling the Lord how much I loved His Word, because I was not just reading it, but I was living it, and I was seeing it impact people. And so I said, I know what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to make you a cover. <laughs> so I ran down, I ran to Main Street into the, the sewing store, and I bought my favorite color pink fabric. <laughs> and I covered my Bible. I made a Bible cover, and I got like little, you know how you can buy those little things that you stitch on? Appliques, yeah. So I did that, and all this stuff. And then I said, now your word is pink. It's perfect. <laughs> So, um, but it was just a way for me to say to the Lord, I'm so grateful for your word, and it's really um, changing my life, and, and I think that was a year I had led my friend Susie to the Lord, and um, the year before, and Susie I was just leading people in her dorm room to the Lord, and we didn't know revival was going on, we thought, oh, this is what Christianity is like, which it can be, you know, and um, there are seasons like that that are just so fun, And um, one of the things that was so exciting during that time is every time I would read something in the Bible, within minutes or hours, there would be an opportunity to see that happen or to live it out. And I think that's true all the time. I think we just get out of the habit of looking for those opportunities, if you know what I mean. So, tonight, what I'm going to share is really practical in, in an important way for all of us because whether revival's going on, whether things are peachy keen in our life, or things are really hard, we can always abide in Jesus and see Him produce fruit in us that remains. And to remain means to remain, it doesn't disappear and I think that's you know what we all want so I'm going to give you a little background um on this chapter we're going to look at John 15 tonight but I want to give you a little background because sometimes we just pull scripture and we isolate it we just delve into it but we forget the context of the passage so um here is Jesus and he is going to the cross and this is Thursday and he will be arrested on Friday. So Friday morning, in the wee hours of the morning, he will be being tried. And um, so, you know, it's, it's, he knows it's coming, he's God. He is um, devastated. You know, you ever feel like that? Like, you know, waiting for the hurricane? You're like, you really don't know. What will this be like, you know? Will it be horrible or not so horrible or extremely horrible? I mean, but God, being God, He knew exactly how horrible it would be, and so He is. He is in the upper room with His disciples, and um, and being Jesus, I, I I just love Him so much. Even on the cross, He says to John, "Here is your mother, woman. Here is your son." Even on the cross dying for our sins. He's thinking of his mom. And so in this last day before he goes to the cross, he's thinking about the Passover and how important it is to share the Passover with those he, who are closest to him. And I want you to remember as I say this that um, we learn in Luke that there are women that travel with Jesus and take care of him. And Joanna, Susanna, and Mary Magdalene, and I'm sure Mary, the mother of Jesus, was often along as well. I'm sure she was here right now because we know she was at the cross. So he is in the upper room, and in the upper room, he washes their feet. In the upper room, he begins the beautiful, beautiful habit of communion, which is now a pattern in the church today, and he started it that night. And he's sharing things with them, and, and I want you to catch these things. I'm going to kind of give you a quick overview, then we're going to go back and we're going to zero in on John 15. But um, Peter, of course, who all of us, you know, impulsive, outgoing, you know, people can relate to. <laughs> Peter says, <laughs> um, what are you doing washing my feet? You'll never wash my feet. And Jesus says, if I don't wash your feet, you can't have any more of me. So Peter says, <laughs> then wash all of me. <laughs> and Jesus, says, <laughs> I mean, isn't that like, you know, Peter all the time? And so Jesus says, he who has bathed needs only to wash his feet and is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. And um, later he says, he talks about how I've given you an example and now you should do this for others. And he begins to talk about love. He also predicts his betrayal and hands and and one of the disciples leans over and he says, Ah, who is it? Who's gonna betray you? And he says, It's him, and he hands Judas the bread. And the disciples are still, they're not getting everything. Have you ever it have you ever just not understood fully? Someone's explaining t- something to you and just you just don't get it, you just don't get it. And so he says, little children, I am with you a little while longer. This is uh, John 14, 13, 33. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, now I also say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. And then he says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. And then Simon Peter says Lord where are you going and he says where I go you cannot follow me now but you will follow later Um, then he goes on and he talks about in my father's house there are many mansions and I go to prepare a place for you and he says I'm the way the truth and the life all of these things we talk about so much they're all here in this very last moments of Jesus life And then he says, um, believe in me, I and the Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Ask whatever you will in my name. It will be done for you that the Father may be glorified. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then down in 1419, he says, after a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live in you. Because I live, you will live also. Basically, what he's saying is, I'm not going to show myself to the whole world after I'm resurrected. The world will not see me, but you will see me. He showed himself to his disciples. So he's telling them that, but they're just not getting it. They're just not understanding. And um, then on in, in verse 31, at the end of verse 31, he says, come on, let's go from here. And where they're going from there is they're going to the garden. So at this point, they're going to the garden and he could be in the garden during John 15, or they may be walking to the garden. We don't know. But then he goes into this whole thing of, I am the vine and you are the branches. And we're going to come back to that. And then the next thing is, he says in John 16, verse five, but now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth, it is for your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, and if I go, I will send him to you. He also has mentioned the Holy Spirit in John 14, and um, then he says, John 16, 16, a little while and you will no longer see me, and again a little while and you will see me. In other words, I'm going to die, I'm going to be raised from the dead, and you'll see me again, Um, and then In John 16, 33, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. And then he goes on and he begins to pray. And he begins to pray, Father, if it's your will, take this cup from me. He begins to pray for the disciples. And in this moment before his arrest, he begins to pray for us. Those who will not see me who will believe in the name of Jesus. So if you ever feel unloved, remember that Jesus Christ, in the final moments before he was rested, prayed for you. And I know that he saw our faces. I know that. So this is kind of the scenario Of what is going to happen and our Jesus is going to be arrested and he is going to willingly die for our sins and um, there's going to be a kangaroo court and they're going to declare him guilty and he will be executed and and this is those final moments when he knows this and so it's so important that you understand as you're looking at this passage where Jesus heart was his heart was heavy it was sorrowful His heart was, you know, there was so much, probably thinking, you know, why don't they get this? I have talked to them about this over and over and over, and why aren't they getting this? I've told them that I'm going to die and I'm going to be raised to life, but they're just not getting it. And how are they going to feel when they come and take me away? How are they going to feel then? So um, he starts out, and I'm imagining that Jesus is walking along the road and sees a vine and grabs it and says to his disciples, I'm the vine and you're the branches. Or maybe he's in the garden and he sees a vine and he says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. But he's definitely outside because they've left the upper room. And he's either on his way to the garden or he's already in the garden. So there he is. And we'll start in John 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser or the gardener. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. And I'm, I'm gonna stop right there and we're gonna look at those four verses. If you think about a vine, a vine is so different from a tree because a tree stays in one place, but a vine is very mobile. A vine moves, it goes, it has direction. Um, It heads here, then it heads here, then it heads here. And so he's, you know, it, it always reminds me of the Great Commission, therefore go and make disciples, not stay. And so we can stay connected with Jesus wherever we're heading, whatever we're doing, whatever circumstance in life we are going because a vine. It, it always moves. It always finds a way to a new place. Have you ever tried to cut back a vine that won't stop growing? <laughs> and you're like, oh, no matter what I do, this vine just takes over my yard. And that's the way the kingdom of God is. Jesus is the vine, and we're those branches that are going and moving. And so the purpose of the branch is to bear fruit. And I know um, I have this beautiful rose bush. It has pink sweetheart rose bushes. And it is the nastiest bush ever. Because if you prick your finger on that bush, you will be in pain for days. So I put on my gardening gloves and I go out there, you know, to hack it. And then I come and then there's, oh this branch has to go but there's this beautiful pink rose on it whatever am i going to (laughs) do what am i going to do because it's so beautiful i don't want to hack it off but i have to i have to hack it off so that the rose bush will grow and it's always kind of sad when i'm cutting you know pruning my rose bush and i have to cut off some of the flowers It always makes me sad. And as a gardener, God prunes in our life. As a gardener, God, his only purpose is that we be more fruitful. Today in economics, we were talking about um, economic principles, and we were talking about how it's very bad to make an economic decision based on only the foreseeable future but we need to make economic decisions, I mean, based on the future right now, but the future down the road. And usually we're having to make those decisions because somewhere something has gone wrong and it needs to be fixed. But to fix that is gonna require hardship. And we're in a season in our culture, no one in our culture wants hardship. I mean, how many of you can imagine if Congress announced tomorrow that they were going to cut all funding for six months so they could balance the budget? How many, I mean, how many people, like there would be a mass upheaval. People would, they would fight. They would, you know, topple that government because no one wants to endure hardship to fix a problem. No one wants to. We don't like to in our own life if we're going to truly be close to God, sometimes that means chop. How many of you have had things that you really love chopped out of your life? How many of you have had people that you really love chopped out of your life? How many of you have had jobs or schools or classes or anything that you thought, wow, this is perfect. I love this house. I love this place I live. How many of you have seen that? You've seen God chop things out of your life. God chops things out of our life that are bad. You know, if I go to my rose bush and my rose bush has dry rot or my rose bush has fungus, there's a fungus that roses get. Chop, chop, chop. It's gone. Because if I don't do that, it's going to infect the rest of the bush. But I also prune the branch with the beautiful rose on it. And then that rose bush is gone. Why? There are things in our life that are good things, and God removes them. And, you know, if my rose bush could talk, he would probably say, or she, because she's pink, she'd probably say, my flower is so beautiful. Why would you cut me off? right? And so often, the Lord removes things from our life. Sometimes we think they're good, and the Lord's like, "Mm, not so much. But other times, they are good things. But the Lord is removing them so that we can move forward in Him, and we can be where He wants us to be. And if you've ever seen a rosebush go back after it's been pruned. It's so much hardier. It's so much stronger. It is ready, ready, ready to go. And the problem is that we really don't like being pruned. And I'm going to ask a bold question. How many of you the Lord is trying to prune something out of your life right this minute? Anyone? And you're saying, I don't think so. Oh, you're doing it, you're doing it, you're doing it. Ah! Right? Isn't that how we are? So sometimes if God is pruning something, we need to release it. Because he will chop it. And let me just tell you something about God. How many of you have ever known a jealous man? Jealous man. Jealous man. Okay. Um god is more jealous than that times a million in a godly perfect way and he is after your heart and he will remove anything that comes between you and him if you're living and sold out for him and going after him and when we cling to things that god is trying to remove we end up really crushing ourself but brokenness is so often the pathway to fruitfulness loss is so often the pathway to gain and death is so often the pathway to life and we we don't b- we know that's true and we can assent that with our mind but we so often we just don't know. And and we can doubt the Lord's love. We can, you know, be, we can cling to things and not let them go. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? So why does God care so much about fruit? And this picture, I didn't go into this, but this picture is such a familiar picture picture, the prophet so often said, God planted a vine and he came and he looked for fruit and all he saw was thorns and thistles. He was talking about the nation of Israel. So Jesus is coming along. He's saying, I'm the true vine and you are the branches. I'm the chosen one. And you are part of that, the joy of the whole earth. So, that's a whole nother Bible study, but I won't get into it. Um, So, God comes looking for fruit. And what is that fruit? That fruit is Jesus in our lives. If you look at the fruit of the Spirit, what is the fruit of the Spirit? Joy, love peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's who Jesus is. Jesus washing the feet of the disciples. If I, your Lord and teacher, wash your feet, I'm setting you a pattern. You would wash one another's feet. This is Jesus so loving. This is Jesus making jokes about the camel going through the eye of the needle. This is Jesus calling people to leave things behind and follow him. Jesus, who is always at peace and who, even in the midst of his private struggle, says, my peace I give to you. Take heart because I've overcome the world. This, This is Jesus, and he is gentle, he is kind, he is good, he is faithful. He endured the cross, scorning its shame. He's self-controlled, has a passion for people. He loves people, talks to the Samaritan woman, heals Bartimaeus, heals the lepers, though he knows only one will come back and give him any thanks. He heals all 10. And this is Jesus moving through Israel, loving people, demonstrating God's heart, God's passion for us, demonstrating the character and the nature of God. And so if you want to know what fruit is, it's Jesus. It's more of Jesus and less of us. It's when people come and they say, there's so much Jesus in you. the Bible says that right now we see through a glass dimly, but one day we will see face to face. And in another place it says that we shall be like him when we see him as he is. So the word Christian means little Christs. And it was in, I think, Antioch where they first called them Christians, in Antioch. So when they first called them little Christ because they saw something in them of Christ. And so this is, this is our purpose, that we're going to be like Jesus. And so often, we don't understand our purpose. So often, we get caught up, I do, in the purposes that the world offers, or my own like personal fulfillment. There's nothing about our gifts here. There's nothing about college here, though I love college. Mm -hmm. There's nothing about buying a house here or getting married or having children. And I hope all of you get married and have lots of babies, especially girl babies because I want to buy dresses. (laughs) (laughs) But it's... It's this, our goal is to be filled with Jesus, to be filled with the fruit of the Spirit. Jesus was a single guy, and he was tempted. In every way, we're tempted. So if you're single, hey, Jesus understands all your temptations, but he was without sin. He never sinned. Not only did he never sleep with the woman, he never led one on Amen. so there's our jesus perfect in every way and so what does it mean when he says abide in me you know because we can think okay i mean can you imagine a branch going hey i'm out of here i'm going to go bear fruit and the branch walks away and there's not going to be any fruit the branch is just going to shrivel up and die but what does it mean to stay attached jimmy was quoting someone today um, a salvation army uh, major jim thomas and he said christianity without christ is pathetic boring what was it The most boring thing I've ever seen or pathetic. Anyway, the idea is pathetic. So Christianity, and that's sometimes we can fall into that, can't we? Like we make all these rules for ourselves. This is how, you know, God tells us to live. And so this is how I'm going to live. And we have this way of living. And if you live the way Jesus says to live, you're going to be blessed. But where is Jesus in that? Does that make sense? So so Jesus calls us to abide in him. And if you think of abiding, abiding means to live or dwell or be at home in. And in the homemaking class, oh, I'm so sorry, because you're going to have to study this again, too. (laughs) But (laughs) But I think it's a beautiful truth to study. So you abide in Jesus. You live in Jesus. So I think, how do people make themselves at home in my house? Before I left, I took my camera and I walked around. There was all these people in my house. And it was so fun. And so how do people make themselves at home in my house? I will tell you. Marielle and Jenny Rose were sitting in my dining room, living room, talking in chairs. Diego and Daniel were sitting at my dining room table. Diego was eating dinner. And they were going through the arrival kit. Hosanna and Daniel were playing a game on my floor. Peter. Where was Peter? Daniel wasn't in two places. You're right, it was Peter. (laughs) Peter. They were, and um, Rusty was in the high chair eating, and Kate and Zach were chatting intimately. And I think they kissed. And... Patty, of course, was doing all Jimmy's dishes for him. So, there were just various people, because I had my... I had my homeschool co-op classes come over, and so there were several people there right around that time, and they were all just making themselves at home. If people make themselves at home at my house, they fix themselves a drink. Mm -hmm. If they have to use the bathroom, they know where it is, and they go and powder their nose. If they want to listen, if they want to borrow a video, they know where they are, and then I remind them where the (laughs) checkout thing is. So people just make themselves at home and they don't, you know, they take off their shoes and hopefully put it on the shelf or the bin, but they make themselves at home and they feel relaxed. And the question that we have to ask ourselves as Christians is, Do we make ourselves at home and feel relaxed with Jesus? Because if we're striving to get his attention, then we're not relaxed. But if we're grateful for what he's accomplished for us, then we're relaxed. If we know we're loved, we're we're relaxed. And if we don't know it, if we're scared, then we're uncomfortable. Or if we're just kind of pursuing our own agenda, we're uncomfortable because, as I said before, the Lord is a jealous God. Okay, so I'm going to go to the next verses. Um, I am the vine, verse 5, and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I love that. What does it mean to do nothing? Do no thing. Wow, that's so awful. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather to them and cast them into the fire where they are burnt. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My father is glorified by this that you bear much fruit so prove to be my disciples just as the father has loved me i have also loved you abide in my love if you keep my commandments you will abide in my love just as i keep my father's commandments and abide in his love these things i have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be that your joy may be made full and then so i'm going to talk about that a little so prayer The word love. Don't we always come back to those things? Don't we always come back to prayer and the word and worshiping God and fellowship and and sharing the good news and he's going to move into sharing the good news? It always comes back to those basics. It always comes back to those avenues that God has given us to interact with him. Does that make sense? He's written his word. You could read this word every day for five hours for all of your life and never plummet the depths of what is in here. Every time you read the word, you will find something new. Every time you read the word, it will speak to your life circumstance. The word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides bone and marrow. It reveals the intentions of our heart. So the word is powerful. The word is alive god speaks to us through his word and so if we study the word as an intellectual exercise we will miss it if we study the word as a duty we will miss it but if we come to the word to make ourselves at home with the lord what do you have for me what do you have to show me what is new reveal your heart to me then the word begins its work of changing us. And as we read the Word, we see Jesus. What are the Gospels about? The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're about Jesus, right? We read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and they're about Jesus. And what do all the churches that do, like they have more of a liturgical service do? They read from the Gospel every single week. Why? They read from the Old Testament, the New Testament, and the Gospel. Why? Because the Gospels are about Jesus, and we see Jesus. And then in all the epistles, we learn like, okay, this is all the stuff that's like what's happening in the heavenly realms and who we are in Christ. It's more about Jesus. And then all of the Old Testament, it's pointing to Jesus. It's all looking toward Him. And so, when we read the Word, we're seeing Jesus and learning about Jesus and we're able to press in and draw closer to Him. And as the Word begins to saturate our heart and saturate our mind, what happens to what we want? It becomes what He wants us to want, and we're praying according to His will. And the promise is that if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you want. Why? Because it will be according to my will. You'll know how to pray. You'll know what to ask for because I will put things on your heart. Leanne came over today and she said, I just had to pray over you. And she laid hands on me and she prayed this powerful prayer. And then she said, well, chat, 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 I'm gonna go. And after she left, I thought, Lord, thank you so much that Leanne obeyed you, because I knew God answered your prayer. But the enemy had an assignment against me, and Leanne prayed for me that it wouldn't happen. And then she left. And I had complete confidence when she left that it was taken care of. Now, when we're walking with Jesus in the Word, and the Spirit is filling us and we're controlled by the Holy Spirit, we can be so bold because God can say, Molly, this is what I need you to do. Cindy, this is what I need you do. And by the way, isn't it good to have Cindy being here? <laughs> Yay! It is so good to have you. Cindy, this is what I need you to do. I need you to go say this or do this. Brooklyn, I need you to talk to that guy in your CAPS class, and I need you to tell him that I'm after him. Um, Not Not me. I'm not after you, guy. Jesus is after you. So when when we are abiding in Jesus, then we are able to hear his voice and do what he says. And then what happens to the people around us? they draw closer to Him, or they run the other way, right? Jesus is the rock that men trip on, or the cornerstone. And so as we're pressing in and as we're leaning in, we keep in step with the Holy Spirit. So... Um, When Mike was in seminary, we had so many friends that were getting their Master of Divinity, and um, so many of the guys just stopped having quiet times, devotional times. They were studying the Word in their classes, and they were learning all this theology, and they just dropped their devotional time. And as a result, a lot of them were in really bad places, spiritually. And Mike and I found ourselves a lot of time praying over people we were compelled and forced to be right with God because we were going through a lot of spiritual warfare. And isn't it wonderful? Because spiritual warfare, as horrible as it is, always makes you press in. Amen? (laughs) If you're going through a bad situation and the devil's attacking to you, you're pressing in (laughs) or you're dead. (laughs) Right? And so there we were. And so we're in this season where we're pressing in. And so we're praying over people and helping them to get free. And, um, I just, I think sometimes abiding in Jesus starts with being committed to a relationship. For me, one of the things I do to foster my relationship with Jesus is I say, Good morning, Jesus. Every morning, I love you. And at the end of the night, I repent, I thank Him for the day, but I make that covenant with myself to pursue Him first. And I always, you know, before I get out of bed, I always pray. Sometimes I don't get to the Word right away, it's later in the day, but I always pray before I get out of bed so that no matter what faces me, like, I don't know who spent the night when I wake up or, you know, (laughs) what's going on in my house, but... I know I'm prayed up when I leave my bedroom door. (laughs) I may look bad, but I'm prayed up, so, um, but I think it's that, you know, for me, when I'm leading worship and I think, all this thought has to come to my mind is, my sins are washed away, and I start jumping up and down. (laughs) oh, no, this isn't a jumping up and down song, but I can't help it. Because when I think that Jesus washed my sins away, and they are many, they were many, but they're gone, then I get so excited. Because, see, my life, in my life, I really blew it. I still blow it, but I mean, I really blew it before Christ. But he loved me. And he pursued me, and he allowed things to happen that would make me need him and have no hope but him. And then he changed everything. And when we think about this idea of abiding, it's really letting Jesus love us. And I think a lot of times we don't realize how much He loves us because we think about the wrong things. And we need to think about the right things, the things that prove that He loves us, the scriptures that prove that He loves us. And as we do that, We will really learn to enjoy his love. Because the Bible says, Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. The Bible says, If God is for me, who can be against me? The Bible says, Nothing can separate me from the love of God. It gives a whole list of things that you surely think would do that. Even angels, even demons, nothing separate us from the love of God. And so abiding is really about relaxing in God's love. It's more about not making an effort than making an effort. It's more about surrender than it is about striving. And some of us, that can feel hard and overwhelming. It doesn't mean like you'll stop working hard or you'll stop doing all those things because you won't. I mean, God's energy will be in you and he will motivate you and he will lead you. But it will be his agenda and he'll be leading you and he'll be energizing you. And as we abide in Him, we love what God loves, and we hate what's evil. And as we abide in Him, we have compassion for people, and we have love for people. We want to protect people. We want to meet people's needs. And. I I think that when I was a young Christian, and you know how when you're a young Christian, you look back and you go, oh, did I do that, you know? But I would ask to go to the bathroom all the time in class, and then I would go to the Bible, to the bathroom, and I would stand in the stall and read my Bible. (laughs) I didn't have to go to the bathroom. I just wanted to read my Bible and not get in trouble. And um, I would just... Do that all the time, you know. (laughs) One of the teachers asked me, "Do you have like a problem with your bladders?" (laughs) No, but I just couldn't stop reading the Bible, and I couldn't stop, you know, telling people how Jesus had changed my life. And uh, and I I had all these friends that were Jewish, and that's probably why I love Israel so much. But I would try to think of ways to be able to read the Bible for to them. I won't tell you some of the things I did, but one of the things I did was I would make cookies and put scriptures (laughs) inside them. So I would make cookies, but I would put paper with... You would (laughs) bake the paper. Yes, but... So anyway, it didn't work, because by the time it came out, the ink had all run. But... (laughs) but I did, but it wasn't because I had this super awesome plan, it's because I had this urgency to tell people that they could be loved, and, uh, and, and I, I think because, you know, God loved me, and I thought, well, if he loved me, and I pitted myself against him, then he could love anyone, and um, in this world, you know, there's a lot of really hard times. There's a lot of really hard things that we go through, and there's a lot of things that you won't understand. I don't know if God explains it in heaven. I kind of think it won't matter, but. We will face being misunderstood, being rejected, being falsely accused, and sometimes it will be our fault, and sometimes it won't, and we will blow it. And through it all, the Bible said Jesus is closer than a brother. There's a brother that's born for adversity. And through it all, God will be faithful because he loves us. And through it all, he will position us and use us to change the world. And sometimes when you feel like I'm at my weakest and there's nothing left in me, it won't matter because God's grace is sufficient and his power is made perfect in weakness. Because it doesn't matter so much who you are, it matters where are you at home. And so I would challenge you, if your comfort, if your your rest, If it's coming from somewhere else, maybe a TV show, maybe a daydream that you dream over and over, maybe relationships that are lighthearted, maybe relationships that are codependent and you feel needed, I don't know. But if there's a place you run to that's not Jesus, then it's time to go home. and it's time to let those things go. Um, I'm just going to finish up with this. and that's Jesus says, This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that that one laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for a slave does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends for all the things that I have heard from my Father I've made known to you. You did not choose me. But I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit, so that your fruit would remain, so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give you. This is my command, that you love one another. And then he goes on and he talks about the world. And so the greatest prayer that Jesus wants us to pray is, Lord, give us souls. Lord, rescue these babies. Lord, heal these people. And so as we abide in him, as we're at home in him, he reveals his heart to those who are closest to him.